questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, this uh, Premier and Government specialized in making empty announcements that unfortunately yield terrible results. In seven years, the NDP Government has made over 500 announcements related to the housing crisis. And yet, where have we ended up after seven years? The most unaffordable housing, not just in Canada, but in North America, and the highest average rents in the entire country. Now we find that the Ministry of Finance is forecasting a drop of 4,500 housing starts next year projected, while the average price of housing is projected to increase to nearly $1 million. So my question is to the Premier. When will the Premier actually deliver results on housing affordability instead of more empty announcements? Minister of Housing. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. We have talked at great lengths in this House about many challenges that people across British Columbia are facing. We have a severe shortage of housing in British Columbia. That's why we've brought so many initiatives forward this uh, session, to ensure that we can get the housing supply we need throughout our communities. But not only by the private sector, Honourable Speaker, but we also know that in order to address the challenge, we need to make investments directly in non-market housing. We are two decades behind. For too long in BC, governments felt that maybe it wasn't our place to be in the housing game, and we're paying the prices for it now. Now, uh, I appreciate the member asking the question, but they have not supported a single initiative that we've brought forward to address the housing crisis. Not a single one. In fact, they have members that believe you don't want too much supply because supply may mean that profits might not be the same, Honourable Speaker. That's the mentality we're dealing with. We're going to continue to take efforts on our side to ensure that we get the housing that people need in BC. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, I think we've identified the problem. Uh, the individual, uh, the minister, stands up and says that uh, they've introduced a bunch of legislation to deal with it. Uh, memo to the minister, it is year seven of their government. Might be a little bit late. And not surprisingly, Mr. Speaker, we hear the minister go out and promise the most recent one, 130,000 homes over 10 years will be the result of this legislation. Well, that's interesting because that brings back a memory. I remember in 2017 they promised 114,000 affordable homes within 10 years. We're in year seven of that. We're in year seven and what did they deliver? The actual result? 16,000, a fraction of the 114,000 promised. So yet again, Despite all the lofty announcements, despite the over 500 press releases, we are, we are left with the same results that aren't working for British Columbia. So again, my question now to the Minister. Will the Minister finally stop making housing promises and deliver actual results for the public of British Columbia? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And the member knows that we are two decades behind when it comes to investment in non-market housing. The member should remember. Shh, 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 shh. Members, members, members. 
Just continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. The member should also know that we continue to welcome people of British Columbia at record numbers. We need to ensure that our housing supply keeps up with that. That's why we brought in the pieces of legislation we have. Speculation and vacancy tax, which I know he opposes, bringing back 20,000 units just in Metro Vancouver. Uh, historic levels of investments where there's units opening in communities across British Columbia. I certainly hope the other members stand up and talk about why they want housing. I'll be able to show them the housing that's opening up in their communities. And we're going to continue to do more, Honourable Speaker. But what I asked the member across the way is, where is his housing plan? You know, every time he comes up and says we need more housing, he offers no solutions. In fact, maybe I should look at the BC Conservative Party. Maybe they'll provide a solution, and then he'll piggyback that as his very own. Leader of the Official Opposition, second supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The only results from the Premier and this NDP government's uh, repeated 500 announcements uh, has been creating chaos in city halls across the province, uh, freezing planning departments that are now unsure of what to do. No one knows how to make any decisions on projects that were already well advanced. That's the reality of the chaos that this housing minister has caused right now in British Columbia. How on earth are municipalities supposed to make housing decisions when you've got poorly thought out legislation where they haven't even anticipated some of the outcomes, uh, obviously because they have no background, no understanding of what's involved in the housing sector. And the fact of the matter is they're now making things dramatically worse. Because in the midst of all the chaos they've created, in the midst of all the projects now being frozen and planners now not sure what to do in their own planning departments, we get to hear the finance minister stand up and say, actually, there's going to be a drop of 4,500 housing starts next year. This is rather remarkable. And at the same time, we're going to see average house prices going up again. Bad result. Lower housing starts, higher prices. That's your result after seven years of government. So again to the minister, after seven years in which we had a premier promise that people will be able to see, touch, and feel the results. Why is it the only thing they can see and feel are declining housing starts and rising housing prices? Minister of Housing. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. It's amazing for someone who spent uh, three years as a developer uh, to profess he has so much knowledge, doesn't understand that when interest rates go up, of course the market has to respond to that. I, I mean, he, he, he claims members, to be, a, members, to be members, an expert. Members, 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 members. Please. Th thank you, Honourable Speaker. He claims to be an expert, but the reality is, Honourable Speaker, we're the only party in this place that's offering real solutions for housing. Small-scale multi-unit legislation, Honourable Speaker, which will allow more units to be built throughout our communities. Uh, new legislation to create certainty around decision-making. please. Please continue. It's clearly a sensitive topic for uh, my friend across the way. Continue. Uh, we're bringing in legislation to allow more housing to be built around transit. So when we invest billions of dollars in transit, we're getting the housing we need. And not only that, Honourable Speaker, we are also purchasing properties near the transit so we can build the amenities that communities need. Health care, child care, and affordable housing, Honourable Speaker. All of this is action that we're taking to ensure the housing crisis is addressed. We have not heard a single solution from the other side, except for maybe he's going to give a few of his developer friends a tax cut. Nothing else has been offered to this conversation. We're going to continue to do the work that's necessary. 
Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Only this government could think they're going to add housing supply by continually villainizing developers and home builders that actually need to do the building of the housing. But, but Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, the Minister wants to talk about interest rates, so let's take a little look at interest rates and how it's impacting British Columbians. Because right now, British Columbians are drowning in debt. In fact, we top the country in debt repayments as a result of the rates continuing to rise. A new report from Scotiabank, not the opposition's report, but Scotiabank, I think they actually even sit on the Minister's Economic Forecast Council, they make it clear. A third of the Bank of Canada's rate hikes, those would be interest rates uh, to the Minister of Housing, are due to provincial spending. A third. Uh -oh. This Premier's reckless inflationary spending is adding financial hardships to people daily. It's making it harder and more expensive to pay down debt, Mr. Speaker, and it sounds like the peanut gallery knows more than the Scotiabank economists. <laughs> when will the Premier end his reckless inflationary spending that is fueling the increase in interest rates. Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And we've said many times, the Premier has said many times, that we have concerns <laughs> when we continue to see interest rates increase. Uh, the same measures of inflationary pressures that the Bank of Canada is trying to address, in fact, in their own reports, it highlights that rising interest rates are actually fueling inflation. And so that contradictory message is why the Premier has said openly that we believe, we hope, the Bank of Canada does not continue to increase interest rates because we know that it's putting pressure on families. Every single day we hear that and we're concerned. We continue to make investments to support people in our communities and we're going to continue to do that, Honourable Speaker. We are not going to do what the opposition leader did when he was a Minister of Finance. When people were struggling, he cut health care. He cut sexual assault centre funding. He cut, he cut, he cut, Honourable Speaker. We're going to continue to invest, invest, and invest in British Columbians. Kamloops, North Thompson, supplemental. Thank, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Let's see. We have rising crime. We have the highest, highest housing prices in Canadian history. We have the highest gas prices and gas taxes in Canada. Uh, we have ever-climbing carbon taxation on homeowners. Uh, what am I missing? Oh, we have crashing health care crisis. With the list goes on and on, and this minister, oh, growing food bank list, and this minister is trying to make it sound like they're actually doing something to help British Columbians? That's ridiculous. Mr. Speaker, it's typical of this government. Point the finger somewhere else. The Bank of Canada must be at fault. Let's write a letter that has no cause or effect whatsoever on interest rates instead of actually taking direct action on our spending that the Scotiabank has made very clear would actually help with inflation and interest rates in British Columbia. We don't actually ever hear from the finance minister when it comes to her own reports and her own advisors advising her around what's going on in the economy in British Columbia. Again, top economists have called out the NDP for killing jobs with the cost BC scheme. Members. They're pointing the finger at them for their spending, causing inflationary pressures. How many more British Columbians must drown in debt before the Premier owns up to the consequences Let's of his own question, government please. decisions and disastrous inflationary spending impacts? Minister of Finance. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And, and, and we do know that people in BC are facing challenges right now, and we have been talking about it in this, pro, in this House. 
We've been talking about it with people across the province. And that's why we are taking action to support people. We are supporting people with affordability measures because we know that's what people want to hear from us. We know that that's the action people want us to take. We kn people know that uh, we know people want homes. And that's why we are bringing in homes for people in this province. And we've heard that from people right across the province. You know, we've heard that uh, people are looking for affordability measures. That's why we brought things in like uh, meals in schools and snacks for kids in schools, because we've heard from parents that's what we want. You know, we, we've heard that uh, people are wanting things such as uh, numbers, family numbers. benefit, the BC family benefit. We've actually increased it. We've increased it because we know that families need that support and we gave an extra $500 to families, single parent families because we know how difficult it can be. And we're going to keep supporting families, we're going to keep supporting people because we know that's what people want in this province, Mr. Speaker. They do not want us to say, oh my gosh, look at what's happening. We need to cut services because that's what they did and that's what hurt people in this province. We know. We know that people do not want to hear, average British Columbians do not want to hear that we need to rise, raise taxes. They do not want to hear that, but that's what they did on the other members, side of the house. And we will not be doing that. Me members, 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 members will come to order now. Members, member, member. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to order hearing aids for everybody. <laughs> Minister has the floor. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And then you could shut your hearing aids off. So that would be amazing. But we know what people are struggling. And we are going to continue to provide supports for people because that's the right thing to do. House Leader of the Third Party. Mr. Speaker, this uh, week we heard a statement in the House celebrating the government's uh, process to add meaning to the Accessibility BC Act. Uh, in 2021, I celebrated the passage of this legislation, uh, but my optimism uh, was cautious because the implementation timelines and enforcement mechanisms were unclear, Mr. Speaker. Although these promises for a better, more inclusive British Columbia sound good, we have yet to see these changes actually benefiting people. For example, there isn't a single van ramp accessible parking spot at any of the five major hospitals in Greater Victoria. One of my constituents has missed hospital uh, visits and has missed appointments because she can't find a parking spot to meet her needs. Our health care system should be a leader, and yet it continues to place inexcusable barriers in front of individuals with different accessibility needs when they're trying to access the services. Mr. Speaker, to the Minister of Social Development, can she guarantee that the timelines laid out in the Accessibility Act will be met? Minister of Social Development and Poverty Reduction. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thanks to the member for the question uh, that British Columbia brought in its first accessibility legislation ever is a compliment to all the members in this House that supported that work, uh, to advocates that pressed for, Canada, to, for British Columbia to, to catch up to the rest of the country. Um, and now with the accessibility legislation that is in place, uh, we are um, we are, are leading the country so far as the legislation side. Uh, the regulations and the implementation of technical standards are being worked on right now by a really powerful and impressive uh, advisory group, both working on the um, technical elements and then also the lived experience 
uh, elements of the uh, accessibility standards that would relate first uh, to accessibility equipment um, and then also uh, service dogs. Um, really encouraged, we hear monthly from this group, uh, they're working on um, bringing their lived experience uh, to the um, standards and the regulation. Um, and we'll see uh, the first evidence of that in the spring. Very happy to speak with a member about any specific implementation pieces um, that uh, uh, people that deserve support uh, need help with right now. Thank you. Member supplemental. Uh, the monthly updates that the minister is hearing from, Mr. Speaker, are daily barriers, daily obstacles for the constituent that I raise. They have to navigate hospital parking lots that are simply not designed to allow them to access health care services in this province. That's entirely unacceptable. I asked the question as to whether or not the timelines were going to be met. No answer, just a bunch of noise, frankly. Core housing need in this province, 30 to 50 percent of people's incomes. Over that, uh, 50 percent, and they're in extreme core housing need, Mr. Speaker. Creating accessible spaces continues to be a daily fight within schools, municipalities, and within our community. And meanwhile, financial assistance for persons with disabilities is far from acceptable. Mr. Speaker, people who are accessing PWD payments are in that core housing need. The, the Minister of Housing has no answer for in the bills that he was talking about earlier. Parents with children with disabilities are forced to pay out of their pockets for service, Mr. Speaker. Adults with disabilities continue to live well below the poverty line under this social democratic government, so-called social democratic government. The only MLAs to have been raising these issues Question have member. been sitting here, Mr. Speaker. When we do raise the issues, the minister responds by naming a series of policy initiatives that fail to deliver people with disabilities out of poverty. Question, member. Question. To the Minister of Social Development, will she finally convince the Finance Minister to raise the disability rates above the poverty line in Budget 2024? Minister. Oh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, the the commitment that our government has, that all members in this House have to creating that dignified life for all British Columbians, um, this is a shared value. It is, is work that we are completely committed to. Um, and, and frankly, uh, the work that we had to do to catch British Columbia up from a decade and a half of underinvestment um, still continues. So, the opposition of froze income assistance at $610 for, uh, for a decade, uh, we've increased assistance rates five times. That the opposition withdrew in a mean-spirited decision, uh, the uh, disability access bus pass, we brought it back. And that we just this year increased the shelter rate by $125 a month, and that that goes particularly Members. to people that are at the lowest income and need access to housing. We um, have got uh, over 10,000 new rental rates that are specifically, uh, sorry, uh, 10,000 new rental units that are specifically targeted and reserved by BC Housing for people with disabilities and have particular access issues. The work continues, which is why we are writing, uh, rewriting our legislation and Thank our you. new poverty reduction Thank strategy. You. But the, the work you. is well Thank underway you, and we're committed to doing more.
Thank you. Leader of the Fourth Party. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Yesterday, my colleague from Abbotsford South talked about the horrendous conditions and the personal experience he had in the hospital in Abbotsford and the conditions that are facing in that school, or I mean in that hospital, I should say. But I want to talk about one other challenge, which is nurses. Across this province, we are seeing emergency rooms being on diversion. We're seeing cancelled surgeries. We're seeing patients having to be moved to other hospitals. We're seeing a significant challenge for nursing in this province. <clears throat> the minister talks about there being 4,200 plus nurses being hired. From the BC Nurses Union's own reports, in 2021, 49,177 nurses were working. By 2022, that was down to 46,446, a drop of 2,700, and that's from the BCNU's own numbers. Couple that with the, with the uh, number of nurses hired, and you can see, Mr. Speaker, there's clearly a real challenge in British Columbia. Question so perhaps number. the minister could answer this question. <clears throat> Why are nurses understaffed at hospitals? Why are they being burned out? Why are they leaving the system? And Mr. Speaker, perhaps the minister could explain where are British Columbia's missing nurses? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. The member will know because he was in the government that the number of registered nurses actually dropped in nominal terms between 2009 and 2016. He was uh, in the government, so he would have been, I'm sure, aware of that. We led Canada, Honourable Speaker, we led Canada in new registered nurses since I've been Minister of Health, and we need more. This year, and this is just the college numbers, we actually count these things. Honourable Speaker, you don't have to find your own numbers or anything like that. It's all there. Uh, that we've registered 5,263 new net nurses, Honourable Speaker. And how have we done that? We're doing that by increasing spaces in our post-secondary institutions, including in the north, Honourable Speaker. We're doing it by measures to retain nurses, ones proposed by the BCNU, including the creation of relational security officers. We said we'd hire 320. We hired 320. By increasing pathways, by increasing pathways to internationally educated nurses, and by signing an historic agreement with the BC Nurses Union to work together to continue this work, to allow nurses who are LPNs to ladder up to RNs, healthcare assistants to ladder up to LPNs. This is how we address the problem. We are seeing, Honourable Speaker, and leading Canada, and we need to do more, and we will do more. Leader of the Fourth Party, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, between the 1990s and today, it's been 16 years of NDP government with 16 years of Liberal government. And according to the minister, you know, between the both of them, the system is broken. They both have failed to deliver. So the question you know, to the Ma minister I was asking, quite frankly, is describing the crisis we have in our health care system. He's talking about all of these actions that he's taking, and yet we have a crisis. And anybody that denies that, quite frankly, is blind to the problems we have in our system. And I want to give an example, Mr. Speaker. I want to give an example, Mr. Speaker. You have a question, member? example is a, is a nurse question. in McKenzie. Let's get the question, member. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The example is a nurse in McKenzie. Her name's Jenny. 
Jenny Member. decided to take thank you Mr. Speaker Jenny decided to take the vaccine Mr. Speaker he's the speaker not let's get the question member thank you Jenny decided to take the vaccine she had a serious reaction she was told by her doctor not to take the vaccine this government fired her they would not let her work in a city of Mackenzie Member. that needs nurses. Mr. Speaker, what we are seeing across this province is nurses that want to work and not being allowed to by this government. So, to the Speaker. Member, question please. Would love to if we could stop the heckling, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. <coughs> to, the, to, the, to the Minister, what we are seeing is nurses that want to work. What we're seeing is people that want to get back in the system to help solve these problems. When will this Minister admit that his policies are keeping nurses from working and causing a crisis in the health care system. Minister of Health. Well, uh, Honourable Speaker, um, one of the reasons why I think British Columbia saw an increase in the most recent Kaihai numbers by 6.7 percent in the number of registered nurses, and other provinces saw a decline in the number of registered nurses, was because in British Columbia we support our health care workers. When we pass a law in this House, a public health act that members of the House on both sides were members of the House when we most recently passed it. And we, uh, and we uh, established the authority, the democratic authority for our provincial health officers. Dr. Perry Kendall, who served the province well under multiple administrations, and Dr. Bonnie Henry. We democratically decided that on health care decisions, on medical decisions in public health, we would take the lead of the provincial health officer. The member apparently believes that he is more qualified to do that, apparently believes that, in spite of having been a member of the government that he now condemns, Honourable Speaker, in spite of being a member of the Executive Council, having served the province while that law was in effect, he now condemns that law, Honourable Speaker. Fair enough, Honourable Speaker. I'll tell you, the reason we're doing better than other jurisdictions in hiring nurses and doctors and others is we support our nurses and doctors and respect their professional competence. <laughs> Member for Surrey South. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. It's not just 60,000 children a month who were forced to use the food bank this year under the NDP. Kathleen Simpson of the UBC Student Services says more and more students are lining up at the food bank. Not only is it that they have to serve more people who can't afford sky-high grocery prices, but the cost to pay for those same groceries has also gone up. Trucking. Food to the grocery store means that groceries keep getting hit with the NDP's gas taxes and carbon taxes. Sinead Vesey went to the grocery store, the IGA in downtown Vancouver, and picked up a cauliflower, and it costs $9.10 to buy. Sinead says that prices are so ridiculous under this NDP government and create so much stress in figuring out her meals, and I quote, it does add stress and I have to try to think about what I can actually afford to eat." End quote. So when will the Premier put people like Sinead ahead of his cost VC plan that will kill jobs and make groceries more expensive? Minister of Finance. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And and the member is quite right in that global inflation has driven up the cost of groceries. You know, we are facing that uh, every day in this province, and, and we are taking action to reduce those pressures on middle-class families. You know, instead of cutting taxes for the very top in this province, we're actually cutting costs for everyone. And one of the biggest... Members. 
Members, members, Minister will continue. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I'm going to start with childcare because it's one of the biggest cuts that we have made in the entire history of the province. We are putting an average of $900 a month back into parents' pockets. And parents are telling me that they are taking that money and they are being able to afford groceries. They are being able to afford, one mom told me it's the first time in the year she's been able to afford fresh fruits and vegetables. So we are making sure that parents are getting that and we are expanding that. You know, the other thing we're doing is we've uh, reduced ICBC rates for drivers for $400 a month. You know, we are building more homes for middle-income families. We are, you know, free prescription contraception. I haven't heard a single person tell me that they didn't like that. I haven't heard a single person say to me, oh, what a silly thing to do. I've heard lots of people say thank you. In fact, one fellow came up to me and said, thank you, Minister, four. I have four teenage daughters. Thank you so much. So you, you can imagine how much money that's putting back into their families' pockets. Thank but you, we are looking every day at how we can help families with thank affordability. You. Thank you. Opposition House Leader. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, this government's uh, initiatives are driving up government spending, driving up inflation, and driving people to the food bank when they're out of a job and out of a home. The second quarterly update released uh, yesterday shows that interprovincial migration has actually turned negative, with 10,000 more British Columbians leaving our province than Canadians coming here <coughs> over the next two years, likely to escape the most unaffordable province in Canada and a flatlining private sector jobs market. Exactly. Mr. Speaker, it is not normal for a government to want less prosperity and less jobs for its citizens. So my question to uh, the Finance Minister is this. When will the government realize that their inflationary deficits, their cost BC scheme and shrinking family paychecks are driving more people to the food bank and even forcing thousands to flee British Columbia because they just can't see a future here in their home province. Minister of Housing. Um, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thanks to the members for uh, the questions. Um, I'm not sure if they're really looking at the numbers, because if they were, they would see that we have had record levels of people coming to British Columbia, record levels of people coming to British Columbia over the last four years. Historic numbers, in fact, numbers, numbers that we've never numbers, seen before. Numbers. Why are they coming, Honourable Speaker? Because we have the strongest economy in the country. Despite the challenges we have with health care coming out of the members, pandemic, we have the members, strongest, one of the strongest health care systems in the member, country, Honourable Speaker. Members. The, the recent study the Premier highlighted showed that BC has the most livable cities from every single province in the country, Honourable Speaker. So, no doubt about it, Honourable Speaker. Members, let's conclude the question period. So, let's hear the Minister. Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. There's no doubt we have a lot more work to do, Honourable Speaker, but we have made significant impacts supporting people in British Columbia, and we're going to continue to do that important work. 